right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Dawn here, and I am the senior pastor of Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer, and I bring you greetings from on high. Amen. 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 All right, so we are trying to get caught up with another Thursday night Bible study teaching. This is one of our supplements. Amen. And I'm hoping that you all are sticking with me. Sticking with me. We are trying to get through it, Jesus. (laughs) Amen. God is a good God and he is worthy of all the praise, all of the honor, and especially all of the glory. He's been so good to me. My God, my God, what a mighty, mighty, mighty God we serve. God is a good God. He's given us pause to be able to come and learn from him to get this foundational teaching so that we understand his word and how he relates to his people. Amen. Amen. This ought to be our priority. It ought to be our priority to get to know God, to get into his presence, get into his space and his face, and to ask God to pour into you, pour into us. Amen. All right. So we are here to learn. We're here to learn. I think last uh, session we did chapters one through four, one through four. And I told you all it's going to take as long as it's going to take. Amen. Get in your word. This is a good, good, good book. It's one of my favorites. And the story is so, so relatable. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for this opportunity to just come and bask in your presence. Father, as we venture to do your will and endeavor to learn your word and how you interact with operate with your people and interact with your people, Lord God. We just ask that you will have your way, have your way in our hearts, our minds, and in our souls. Lord God, for those who stand in need of a touch from you, we are asking that you will touch us in a mighty way. Lead God and direct us, save, heal, and deliver us. Allow your miracles, signs, and wonders to follow us. As we continue along this journey and this path, Lord God, just continue to be with us, walk with us, help us to hear your word, receive your word, digest your word, consume your word, meditate on your word, and become your word. Amen. We thank you and we bless you. We praise your holy name. Father God, now hide me that they'll only see you. Father God, use my voice as an instrument, Lord God, as an extension of your voice, Lord God. Father God, that your people will hear from you. Father, we thank and praise you, honor and adore you, for you are a great and mighty God, and you are greatly to be praised. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you will have your way, that you will uh, expose your secrets and your mysteries to us as we continue in this Bible study. In Jesus' precious and holy name, we pray. Thank God. Amen and amen. All right, I'm going to try to get through this because I got some more I want to get us through um, as we continue um, through these chapters. I was hoping to try to get us through chapter 20 uh, just with the the supplements and the over, overview so that on Thursday when we come together, uh, we can do the discussion questions and, and, and things like that. Amen. 
All right, so I'm going to press upon you all. Um, if nothing else, get into your word. Read chapters 1 through um, 20. And uh, we can discuss it on Thursday. But anyway, all right, so we left off. We left off. We were talking about uh, chapter 4, I think. We left off chapter 4, so now we're entering into chapter 5, but just as a quick little reminder, here we are with the Israelite people uh, who had lived in Egypt. This was 40 years. They were in Egypt for 40 years, and so Pharaoh had made them slaves, and so at this point, God told Moses to go to Egypt and lead his children, lead the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. And so he wanted to remove them from the captivity and move them out of bondage into um, uh, freedom. Amen. And so it was impossible for them to do this without God. It was impossible for them to do this without God. And so God appointed Moses. But of course, we learned Moses said, look, I'm not the guy for this. You need to send somebody else. God got mad at him. And he said, all right, go ahead and and, and get your brother Aaron. Uh, look, go on and get Aaron and, and he can help you. Uh, <laughs> but I chose you and you ain't going to get out of it. All right, so Moses and Aaron told Pharaoh that God wanted him to let the people of Israel go, okay? And uh, this is getting into chapter 5, amen? And so Pharaoh didn't want to listen to them. He didn't want to listen to them. And not only that, he said, who is this God? He didn't even know or believe that there was only one true God because, remember, they believed in multiple gods. The Egyptians worshiped many false gods, they even worshiped the Nile River. They worshiped the sun, the moon, and and even animals. And we find out those traditions still with us today. This is why we have to be so careful, so careful. I don't follow no astrology. I don't uh, do candles or what, what they call sage or any of that other mess. Uh-uh, we got to be careful. Anything that takes away God as our source, as our plug-in, as our uh, foundation. Anything that takes away from that and gives credit to another becomes an idol or a God. And so I don't play that. But anyway, so so they worship all of these, these different things. And so Pharaoh, in addition to that, considered himself to be a God. He, he, he like, who is this God? First of all, it ain't me. It ain't, it ain't the God of the Nile. It ain't the God of the sun, the moon, or the, or the cows, or, or goats, whatever they were worshiping at that time. He said, who is this God? I don't know him. And he refused to adhere to what God has said. This is reminding me, as followers of Christ, especially those of us who God is using or who he has used to draw others to him, 
it's always difficult when you engage with people who do not know him. And so that's why oftentimes I tell God, I do not take it for granted. I don't take for granted that you allow me to know you, not believe, not not necessarily to have faith, but to know you. It takes my faith to believe that you exist, but I know God. And just because people don't know him and they declare that he's not real, it doesn't mean that he's not real. And it doesn't mean that the gods that they say are gods are real gods. It just means that they are ill-informed. They are ignorant to the facts. And so you don't cower down to or comply with their misbelief. You have to stand strong in your knowledge and your understanding. Because all of these other gods were not real gods. None of them were really God and there is only one true God and God created everything and everybody. Even the ones who didn't believe in him. And so sometimes we just got to stand firm on what we believe. The other thing that I think about is how as the world began to grow, starting from Adam and Eve, then re what they call it, uh, rebooting <laughs> with Noah and his family and his wife, they knew God. They knew God. But as time progressed and, and um, generations proceeded, they forgot about who God was because they turned to their own gods and their own idols. And so at this point, most of the people in the world, they had stopped worshiping God and they began to worship their idols. And if you remember, God chose Abraham to be the father of many nations, but not just that. He chose him to preserve the knowledge of the one true God. He chose them. Because God knew that the people were going to turn away from him. He said, but I need a witness in the earth. And so he chose and set aside and made a covenant with Abraham and his seed to come. So now Moses being a descendant of that seed, God is using in a mighty way to just shift some things. I'm so grateful that God allowed us to have his word. This is the thing, too. A lot of people try to put the word of God down. Oh, that's the white man religion. That's the white man word. I, you can't change my mind about God and his word and how grateful I am 
to receive his word. Because even as the children of Israel, even as they were walking out their journey during the ancient times, they didn't have the benefit of leveraging their past mistakes or successes (laughs) to live a life with God. So I don't take for granted that God allowed his word to be kept in the Bible. I'm just pausing because I'm thinking about Pharaoh and how right before him, mm, mm, right in his face was the truth. It was right there. It was right there. And sometimes many of us, we keep praying, asking God for stuff. Oh, God, will we, uh, help me here. Help me there. Do this. Do that. I need you. I need a word. I need a touch. I need this. And God is putting the answer right in front of us. But because Pharaoh was so content with his beliefs, almost to the point that he would rather protect the the, uh, erroneous information he had versus (laughs) leaning towards the truth. I, I just like to think it's something in me, almost magnetic. It draws me to truth. So much so that I lay aside my ego and my pride when I realize that I'm wrong or that I misunderstood something. I'm willing to turn and change and, you know, if, if it's not true. But Pharaoh, like many, many other people, you got the truth right in front of you. And that demon, I'm telling you, he, <laughs> he was something else. He really thought he was a God. And we got to be careful. We got to be careful, too, that we don't make ourselves God, all-knowing. Nobody's all-knowing. You don't know everything. Just sit down and listen. Let somebody help you to understand that pride, that ego, that says, I'm better than all and everything. You ain't God. You are not God. You are operating and functioning like Pharaoh, and we're going to see what happened to him. So I'm almost certain you don't want to be like him, adopting his personality. You want to adopt the identity of God in Christ and not Pharaoh. So anyway, but the point I was making is that he had the truth right in front of him but he didn't want to listen and he didn't want to learn. And part of me believed that it was because of the messenger, the package that it came in. <laughs> he probably was like, Moses, with your stuttering self, you're not going to tell me what to do. And who who you think you coming up in here telling me about this God? God that I can't see, that I can't feel, that I can't touch, that I ain't never experienced. And you gonna tell me something. Get, 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 get out of here. <laughs> that was horrible. 
I can't believe I just did that. But that's that's probably that's probably uh Pharaoh did it. He probably was teasing him. But he was real stubborn. And he didn't want to listen and he didn't want to lie. And so the other thing to understand that I believe God made strikingly plain in 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 chapter five was that it wasn't just Pharaoh who didn't believe. It was that that generation of Israelites, they didn't know about the greatness of God's power because they were removed. They were a couple of generations removed from God's demonstration of his power to that magnitude in the earth. Remember, God doesn't change. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday today, tomorrow, and forevermore. But the difference is he will allow himself to be exposed in different ways. And so the thing I caught was that not only was Pharaoh not really believing, even though they knew God, they believed his word, but it was the how. It was the how. You ever ever got a word from God and and know what he said and believed it and just like, yeah, I know God gonna do it. But that anxiety catch up with you and you get to worry and like, oh, well, how is this gonna get done? (laughs) That's kind of where they were. And so they had heard stories about him. They had heard about his goodness through uh, others, through Um, stories that have been passed down for generations, but they did not see him work for himself. And so as a result of that, God said, look, I'm about to show y'all something. I'm about to show y'all that I really am that I am. And he decided that he would use miracles and signs and wonders that could be witnessed so that they would see and understand the power of God. And so Pharaoh Pharaoh was extremely stubborn. He was extremely stubborn. But check this out. God made him the ruler of Egypt. Why did he do that? Why did God make a stubborn man the ruler? He did it because God is more strategic than any thought that we would ever have. And ultimately, ultimately, mm, it played into his plan to reveal and expose himself to his people. Now, see, the thing that, that, that really, as I was getting into this word, the thing that was getting to me was it wasn't so much that God was trying to prove himself to those unbelievers as much as it was that he was demonstrating who he was to his people. (laughs) Just in case, just in case you want to start looking at these gods and these idols, I'm going to show you who I am. I am that I am. And so in that, God still, he knew and he understood that as stubborn as Pharaoh was, 
but because his affinity to the um, mystic, the mysterious, the the wizard, wizardry, wizardry, somebody, blah, 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 wizardry, that he saw, he knew that it would take miracles, signs, and wonders to be done to get Pharaoh to do what he ought to do. And so God used this as part of his plan to show his power and to show the world that there is no other God. While at the same time showing the children of Israel that he would take care of them and he would take care of those who put their trust in him. And so that's the same thing that we see today. But we learn as we continue through the scriptures that Pharaoh refused to let the people of God go, even though he was instructed. And so after he was instructed to let them go, he told the Israelite slaves to work even harder. He said, I want y'all to work even harder. How many of you know that there are bullies in this world that are seated in position of authority and leadership? And when you confront them about they mess, instead of them humbling themselves and taking heed to the godly instruction given to them, they want to rise up and do worse. But Pharaoh didn't realize, he didn't know he was fighting a mighty God. And he didn't know that no matter how hard he fought, that the battle was already won. That God always wins. But he was soon about to learn because God sent the plagues. And he sent those plagues as punishment uh, to Egypt. And after each plague, Moses went back to Pharaoh. He said, all right, did you learn your lesson? Did you learn your lesson? But he was consistent every time. He said, let my people go. Every time a plague was saying, he came back, he said, let my people go. But Pharaoh refused, and God had to continue to send the plagues. And some of them got so uh, bad to where Pharaoh said, all right, I see this is your God. I'm going to let your people go. But he would let them go, and then stuff would taper off, and then he enslave them again. It's ridiculous that people act that way and respond that way to God and to his instruction. <laughs> when you find yourself in a bind, you want to run to him and get out of it. But when stuff starts tapering off and die down, then you back to your old ways. You back to, to enslaving yourself to the tactics and the ways and the works of the enemy. But anyway, so let's talk about uh, these plagues that was put upon them. And so the first nine were, the first one God did was he turned the Nile River 
into blood. He turned the Nile River into blood. And that made me think, too, about when they talk about how Moses parted the Red Sea. They had a red river and a red sea. Something significant about that, but I I know that um, again because I just started doing some study on it. The sea, the sea appeared to be red, and that's the funny thing about um, our optics, our eyes, our ability to see color. But at at certain seasons, certain seasons. The sea appeared to be red. Maybe because of how the sun reflected off the the base of whatever was in the bottom of the CCC. I don't know. (laughs) But it appeared to be red. But anyway, that just caught me when uh, the first plague was the Nile River was turned into blood. The second plague was the frogs came out of the river and covered the land. Ugh. Can you imagine all them frogs coming out? We just had our own modern-day plague with this COVID. And boy, I tell you, it seemed like one thing hit after the next, the next. Then they had the RSV. Then they had uh, monkeypox and all of this stuff. Ugh. It's like, Lord, what what is Pharaoh doing that, that you don't let my people go? All right. But anyway, so we the first plague was the Nile River was turned into blood. The frogs, the second one, the frogs came out of the river and covered the land. The third one was lice covered the people and the animals. Ooh, that just makes me suffer. The fourth one was the swarms of flies. All them flies. So these these are happening um, consecutively. You know, one behind the the next and the other and the other. And so, where were we? Four. The fifth one was uh, uh, moraine or a disease killed all the cattle. So, it was a disease that came through and killed all of the cattle. How many know that the cattle represented how they nourished themselves as well as how they made uh, their money? Uh, Then the next one was let me see where are we one, two, three, four, five. Number six was the boils or skin disease on the people and the cattle. All right, so we're one, two, three, four, five, six. Number seven was uh, thunder and hail and fire killed people, the people and the animals, and it destroyed the crops and the trees. And so we remember this this happened. Uh once before, uh, you know, when God sent uh, to Babylon, right? We remember this happened. And so then, where we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, number eight was the locust ate uh, all of the rest of the plants. And then number nine, the darkness. Uh, there was darkness for three days. And so God had allowed these plagues to come to coerce or compel uh, Pharaoh to let his people go. And so if you recall, 
in the scriptures, these plagues only punished the the, um, the Egyptians, the Israelites who were in Egypt, but they were in an area that was not affected. And so they had the Passover where God, oh, or, or I'm sorry, they were not affected by these nine plagues. And see, this is where my mind went back because I always thought about the Passover, the story about the Passover, which is the story that we oftentimes refer to during uh, Resurrection Sunday. But the Passover didn't occur until the last play. I never knew that until I got into this study. The the nine plagues that happened, the 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 now going bloody, the frogs, the lice, the flies, the killing the cattle, the boils, the skin disease, the thunder, hail, and fire, the locusts, and the darkness, all of that stuff happened, and it did not affect them because they were, they were not in the area. They were not in the area. How many know, just like, um, you know, sometimes we hear about those tsunamis or or earthquakes and things that happen in other areas of the world, but we're not impacted by them because we're not there. So similarly, the same thing happened. And so God used all of these things and these nine um, plagues to reflect the gods that they worshiped. He used them to reflect the gods that they worship. Can you imagine these jokers worshiping frogs? <laughs> worshiping a, a river. It, it, it seems um, asinine to me, but, but anyway. Um, but he did that, but God did that to show them that he was a greater God than their false gods. He showed them. Y'all going to learn today. But the last plague and the final plague, this was worse than all of the plague. God put a plague on them that the first born child of every household would die. The reason I'm pausing is because if you remember in uh, Pharaoh's decree, he he was seeking out the male child. He wanted to kill the male. So he wanted all the males gone. Here, God put a plague on them to kill the firstborn. I mean, that the firstborn child of every household would die. Not, not to kill, because God was, uh, was taking their lives through this plague. But he instructed the children of Israel to 
kill a lamb, an unblemished lamb, and put the door, the blood on the doorpost. And the reason that this is so significant is because it is representative of Jesus as the Lamb of God being sacrificed and unblemished, uncompromised by sin, sacrificed for us to redeem us and to save us. And in my mind, I don't know this for sure, I got to think through it a little bit further, but if you notice, that sacrifice was not made until the last most horrific play, which was to take the life. And so God instructed them to do that, and he instructed that he would pass over the houses of the ones who would comply, and he would not take their firstborn child. And if they didn't comply, their firstborn would die. And if we just take that and just start dissecting it and and peeling it back and, and getting deeper and deeper and deeper, we will see through God's identity how he cares for and takes care of and protects his own. Those other nine plagues, while the children of Israel did not, the Israelites did not get impacted by them. But they needed a savior to protect their household that would ensure that their firstborn would survive. And so the Israelites took heed to God's word. And when they killed the lamb, it reminded them that the punishment for sin is death. And when they put the blood on the doorpost, they were asking God to accept the death of an innocent lamb to substitute the death of their firstborn. This is how they showed their faith in God's promises because they were willing to sacrifice. This lamb. So anyway, it's deep. It's deep, it's deep, it's deep. But so... All of the firstborn died in the house of Egypt, including Pharaoh's child. But none of the children of Israel died, and God passed over them when he saw the blood on their doors. And like I said, this is the what we refer to as the night of Passover, that we still to this day remember every year as a holy day and it's the one thing that Christians and Jews alike agree on and we still reverence it 
and there's a correlation between the Passover and the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The key takeaway in these chapters is to understand that Jesus is the unblemished lamb, the sinless lamb of God. And he shed his blood for us. He died as our substitute. And if we believe in him and accept that sacrifice that he made for us to to die in our place, then we will live eternally. When When he sees the blood, when God sees the blood of Jesus, he'll pass over us on the day of judgment. So back to the story in, in Exodus. And so I've gotten us through five, chapter five through 12. Go back and like I said, read. But after all of this, and all of the firstborns of Egypt died, the Pharaoh said, all right, y'all get out of here, leave, bye. They said, now, nah, we'll just want to leave. We got some stuff. He said, take it all. Take it all. As a matter of fact, take more. And so God set the people free from bondage. From the bondage that held them back. But y'all going to see, Pharaoh ain't get enough, I guess. Because as soon as they got ready to cross the Red Sea, here he comes. But as for now, <laughs> he let them go. All right, I'm going to stop here. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about the Red Sea, the crossing. And then we'll get into a more in-depth study of the Ten Commandments, okay? We want to talk about that because I want to show you what I learned. All right, love you all. Have a blessed day.